0: Digital Marketer.
1: This episode is brought to you by Scalable. Today, it's Kyle Porter.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snapley. Well, today, I'm really excited because we're joined by Kyle Porter. He's the owner of a karate studio called The Dojo and the founder of Guidepost Marketing, where He helps small businesses use storytelling as a foundation for their marketing campaigns so they can focus on delivering amazing customer experiences. Y'all, this conversation was so good. He got into so many helpful tidbits and examples from his time in a karate studio, helping to grow and build that business, and then also as a consultant and basically an agency. And y'all, you'll see in a second, he's just... Absolutely. Awesome. So knowledgeable. And this was a great conversation. Hope you enjoy. Here it is. Kyle, hello. Welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me.
0: Yeah. And we also have Michelle Dalton here. Michelle, thanks for being being a part of it. I'm just invading anywhere I can. Thank God. <laughs> so I kind of just wanted to start with where it all began. Your, your love of marketing, your love of karate. Tell us how how this all started.
1: Yeah. So I spent four years in college, not really taking college super seriously. I spent four years just kind of playing around. And so when I, when I graduated, I didn't really have a whole lot of options. I did a couple of inter- interviews and then I had been, since I was about 14 years old, I had been teaching karate just as kind of a part time job and did that all through high school, all through college. And so when I got out of college, I had a couple of you know interviews and a couple of things lined up. But then the place where I was working, the school where I was working, they were like, well, if you wanted to come on full time here and kind of help us grow this business then there's a spot for you here. And so I had to make a decision between wearing a shirt and tie and driving into the big city every day or wearing my pajamas and throwing dodgeballs at kids. And <laughs> so that became a fairly easy decision for me to make. And so I jumped in and we we just grew this business really, really quickly. And I was kind of learning marketing concepts as I was doing that, but I didn't really realize that's what was happening. It was just sort of like, we got to get a bunch of people in the door and we got to get them to sign up and we got to get them to stick around. And so by the time I realized that I had what it took to open my own place, I had all this knowledge, but I didn't really know how to compartmentalize it. I didn't really know how to use it. And so I was sitting here with, you know, a five-year lease signed on a building, you know couple hundred thousand dollars on the hook. And I realized I knew everything there was to know about making these really great experiences for the students that came in, but I didn't know how to get them in. I didn't really have a way to formulate a plan. I didn't really have a starting point. And so I just kind of dug in and and through just... I don't even remember exactly how it started, but I found digital marketer stuff. And I was just watching a bunch of YouTube videos and reading a bunch of articles. And then I, I jumped in and started working... Working through the the resources in DM Lab, and it, everything just kind of started to fall into place. And then that was kind of where I realized, well, these concepts apply across the board. So no matter what the business is, whether it's whether it's a karate studio, whether it's a you know whether it's a big company, whether it's you know Pepsi or whether it's you know, whatever, it, these are these are concepts that are sort of fundamental and and really just sort of basic true principles. And I realized there are a lot of people who are practitioners of whatever their business is. They are, you know, they do the thing that their business does. They bake the cupcakes, they cut the hair, they teach the classes, but don't really know how to do anything in their business beyond that from a from a growth standpoint. And so for me, it was like, wow, there's this huge opportunity here to help these people find a way to make a living doing the thing that they really want to be doing and and so that was for me that was a really exciting way to transition something because it was it was taking something that i had you know that i loved doing and you know allowing other people to kind of find their way to do the same
0: i think that's really cool and could you tell our listener a little bit about all the steps you took at the dojo maybe not every single thing but some of the some of the key points and how you were bringing in customers i think i think it was really creative a lot of your use of you know, a customer value journey kind of brick and mortar, even though times are a little different. I think they still apply.
1: Yeah, for sure. So one of the things, and I don't know if you did it intentionally or if it's sort of just the way you guys do it, but you just said, can you tell our listener? And to me, that speaks to like really dialing down to one, you didn't say listeners. You didn't like you were, you were very specific about one person. And To me, that speaks to this need to dial down on exactly who it is that we're serving, like figuring out that customer avatar and making all of your marketing efforts really sort of point to that person. Right. So Mm -hmm. for us, it was this it was this decision to eliminate a lot of possibilities, eliminate, you know, we don't have an adult program. We don't have a teen program. We don't do a fitness kickboxing program. We don't do a jujitsu like we are specifically for elementary age kids and we teach them what we call American karate, which is, you know, it's, it's basically kickboxing. It's kind of like if you took the UFC and turned the volume down to like three, that that's basically what we teach. So it's, it's dialing in on that's who we serve, right? Like that's who our customer is. And once we have that, a lot of doors actually open up. You think that when you have, you know, well, we're going to open this program or we're going to serve these people, or we're going to do this. Then what you end up doing is spreading yourself really, really thin but by, by dialing down to that one person, we were able to realize, well, we're in the middle of this suburban area and within two miles in any direction from our facility, there are elementary schools with kids sitting there for eight hours a day bored out of their minds. And that's exactly who we want to serve. Like we know where they are. We know who it is that we're trying to serve and we know where they spend their time. And so when we were able to do that, it became super, super obvious that like, this is where we need to be spending our marketing efforts so it wasn't you know it, at least at the beginning it wasn't facebook ads it wasn't instagram it wasn't this you know sort of big broad content strategy it was get in the schools it was figure out like we we know where they are so get there and start to go through that customer value journey within the schools so how can we make the kids aware of us how can we get begin to to engage with them and at first you know it's not it's not a smooth it's not a smooth road all the time no matter what business you're in it's it's not as simple as just like oh well here are the eyes that I'm trying to get in front of sometimes you got to kind of get over some speed bumps to get there for us in particular you know we are a private business and we're trying to get into a public facility and say like hey let us essentially advertise and they're not super into that they don't they don't need it you know they they've got a school to run so for us it was figuring out how we could serve our audience and the people who could give us direct access to our audience in ways that that really spoke more to their needs than to our needs. And the story I always tell about that is there was a Saturday afternoon where I didn't have a kid at this school and I was up there in the school's garden with me and one other dad. And we're like pulling weeds in the garden of this school. And I'm going like, what am I doing here? Like why did I (laughs) find myself at an elementary school garden on a Saturday afternoon, like pulling weeds But then I get this email the next week from the principal that was like, hey, thank you so much for all the effort that you put into our school. We really appreciate it. We know you guys care about the kids. And so they could see that it was, you know, it was something that we could actually collaborate on. And they were, you Mm. know, it wasn't just like, hey, we're trying to leverage your access to this group of people that we're trying to serve. It was like, we truly had, you know, their best intentions in mind. And, you know, what we what we wanted for those kids was the same. And so we were able to sort of collaborate where they had viewed us at first as kind of this like adversary, you know, like, oh, they're trying to come in and they're trying to like send out flyers and access our kids and blah, 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 blah. But when we positioned ourselves as someone like, hey, look, we can help you further your mission and we can help you, you know, reach these kids on a different level, then, you know, all of a sudden a whole bunch of doors opened up and and a whole lot of marketing opportunities opened up. So we were able to get in and we were able to, you know, work with kids in the gym classes and send home materials. And so all of a sudden, you know, you've got sort of an all access pass to this place where not only are, are this where all your customers are, but there's this renewing you know new kids go into kindergarten every year so as long as we just maintain that relationship with the school we have this kind of never ending flow of new faces that we can you know that we can continue to serve yeah so to apply that across the board you know for for somebody who's listening it would be really dial down on who it is that your customer is like who who are you trying to serve and who's already serving them where are they spending their time where are they going where what are they doing who are they listening to who you know and how can you how can you not necessarily go in with an ask but how can you go in and add value to that person to sort of the gatekeeper in a way that makes you an asset kind of in their ecosystem so that you can start to build those relationships with your customers
2: what i really love about that is i think especially in our space, people get way too focused on technology and social media. And this was a genuine, like, you saw an opportunity and you literally went out mm-hmm. and made yourself known. So many people focus on, I want to buy an email list. I need to create right. a lead magnet. And it's not mm-hmm. always that. Digital marketing is wonderful, but it's, they forget that human-to-human interaction. Right. So I really love what you did.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's really easy to, to that point, it's really easy to get caught up in the like, Oh, do I go with active campaign or convert kit for my emails? But like, I don't know, you know, like, <laughs> and, you know, and then start sending stuff or better yet, like pick up the phone and call all of them individually until, you know, until scale wise, you can't, you know, if you've got, if you've got an, an email list of seven, you know you don't need to be worried about about which service you're using you need to be, <laughs> you need to be sending emails you need to be like getting people on the phone and that's such <laughs> a difficult thing you know i think for people to to do because you hear, you know, from the people, the the influencers or whatever in the space who are talking about their hundred thousand person lists and their, you know, their gigantic Facebook groups and their mastermind programs and their blah, 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 and all this stuff. And you go like, Hey, look, it's okay not to be there. But at the end of the day, what they are trying to do is they are trying to use those systems to create the appearance of authentic human interaction where there really isn't much while you're sort of doing this like hand-to-hand combat thing and you have this opportunity to do a lot of, you know, to do a lot of a customer research and hear like, what does my customer want? What, are, you know, what are their actual pain points rather than just trying to guess, like ask them, you know, like have the conversation, tell me what's going on, you know? So I think that that's, that's a really easy trap for people to fall into. And I've fallen into it several times, you know, where you go like, what's my William B. page software going to be? And you're not, you know, and you're not actually thinking about really serving those people.
0: I also just love that it's literally legally where they have to be.
1: Right. Yeah. Like
0: (laughs) you know, a lot of people will spend time wasting like, oh, I have to talk to their parents because, you know, they're on their parents are on Facebook and that's what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. But you're literally going to where your customer is. And they're probably so stinky.
1: It can be gym.
0: I that those gymnasiums when kids come in from recess are just, it's like grass and sweat. They're just, Mm -hmm. they're stinky kids. So I applaud you. (laughs) Is that weird?
1: (laughs) No, thank you. I I appreciate that. I think that that, I never really had considered that, but now I'll never be able to not consider it. (laughs) I'm going to, the next time I'm over at a gym, I'm going to be like, gosh, y'all stink. Jenna, like,
2: <laughs> Jenna, if I didn't know you used to be a teacher, this would be a really weird. <laughs> I used to be a teacher, man,
0: man, <laughs> oh man, you know, but you know, let them have fun. Let them have their fun.
1: I think to that point, like, and, and to sort of extract a, a lesson out of that, like, it's really hard to, it's really hard to understand like the nuances of of what's actually happening in your customers' lives unless you're like in the trenches with them. You know, right. like, like Michelle was just saying, like, Jen, if I didn't know you were a teacher, like, you know, you know that smell when they come in, from you, like, <laughs> and you know, you know, the like, well, I didn't have a tissue. So I wiped my boogers on my arm, you know, like, <laughs> and you go like, that's what their real life actually looks like. And, and that's really hard to distill on you know, an avatar worksheet or, a, you know, but, but that's the language that you can use and the things that you talk about and the ways that you, you know, that you relate to the parents and you relate to the kids and you, you know, you just kind of have to really keep your finger on the pulse and the higher up you go and the more you try to systemize everything and automate everything, the more difficult that is, you know? So I think that really kind of being in the trenches and, and spending time with your ideal customer is, is critical in order to, to serve them as effectively as possible.
0: Yeah. Well, well, let's dig into kind of how you made the change and, but you're, I mean, you're still doing dojo, but how you made the change into guidepost, and, and how that all
1: started when we started the dojo. What we said our mission was from the very beginning, and part of the reason that, like, this has been such an exciting thing for me is because, to be perfectly frank with you, the karate Mm. is kind of a means to an end. It's the brush that we paint with, right? Like, no kids Mm. come in or no parents come in and say, like, you know, my kid's punching and kicking a lot, but he's really not very good at punching and kicking. (laughs) Make my kid better at punching and kicking. That doesn't happen, right? People come into karate for a lot of different reasons. Either their kids are spending too much time on devices and they want to get them up and active or their grades are suffering or, you know, they need the discipline or the respect or, you know, whatever it is. Or my kid just like watches a lot of Power Rangers and like wants to do karate, right? So like in any of those are perfectly viable reasons, but very few of them have really anything to do with what we teach in our classes. And what we teach in our classes and sort of the the way I describe it is like the vegetables that we sneak into the smoothie are the discipline and the respect and the focus. And those are the things that like, if you sat the kids down and you're like, all right guys, I'd really like to talk to you about focus right now. They'd be like, yeah, I'd really like you not to. So what we do is we kind of integrate those things into the classes. And so the kids are like, this is great. I get to break stuff and kick stuff and like put on gloves and fight people. And so they're like, yeah, it was awesome. And the parents are like, oh my gosh, he picked up his room. Oh my gosh, he put his dishes in the sink. Like, this is incredible, you know? And so that's the benefit. to to each one of those things, right? So the kids have a different benefit than the parent does. And so at the end of the day, what we realized is that the mission that we have here and what we try to do is to build stronger futures for kids, right? So that was kind of our stated mission is whether you're with us for a week or whether you go all the way to Black Belt, we want you to leave with a future that's brighter than if you had never been here, right? And so if, if someone is starting a business that's kind of like the bet and the risk that they're taking on themselves is that if I start this business, my future will be brighter than if I hadn't started this business, right? Like if I if I take this risk, if I step out and I put myself on the line, then I am I'm setting myself up for a stronger future. So you know I want to help that be a possibility for them. And a lot of them started because I love to you know whatever it is that they do. I love to cook wings. I love to you know cut hair. I love to do nails. I love to make waffles, like, I don't don't know what they love to do, but whatever it is that they love to do, like they should, in my opinion, they should be able to figure out a way to do that thing that they love and make a living out of it. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and if I can step in and give them a really, really simple plan that helps them create marketing that allows them to focus on what they do best, then that's my way of sort of kicking into their stronger future. So that's kind of the, the way that, or the, the why behind everything that I do. As far as kind of the methodology, what I did is I sort of tried to reverse engineer what I did at the dojo and realized that, you know, and and the way I did it, frankly, was by going through, through DM stuff and going like, okay, here I have, I have this, I have this thing. Like say that I wanted to write an email campaign. Well, in order to write an email campaign, I need an email list. In order to build an email list, I need a lead magnet. In order to give people a lead magnet, I need a landing page. In order to have a landing page, it's like, you know, you kind of like work backwards and you go like, all right, well, I need to write the copy for the landing page. Okay, well, who am I talking to? And so when you work backwards and you go, I can't do this until I've done this first, then what you end up with is you end up getting back to something that I can do right now. So what can I do today in order to like start moving forward and start this process? And so where I landed was the first thing that everybody should do, could do, and can do right now is they can dial in on who it is that they're trying to serve. Like, what is what is our customer, what is, or who is our customer, what is their problem, what are they struggling with, what are their goals, what do they need? So let's really dial in on who that is because that's going to inform everything that we do later on. And if I don't have that stuff, my copy's not going to be as effective, my, you know, my ads aren't going to work as well, my offers aren't going to convert as well. So now that I know who my customer is, What is, and and this is where a lot of people, I think, struggle because it's like, I'm a, you know, I'm a business development coach who focuses on spiritual wholeness. And you go like, neat, what's that? So the question next is, what's for sale? Like, what could you put a barcode on and say, like, you can buy this from me? Right. So we've got, who's my customer? And like, what do I have for them? So do you sell them email campaigns? Do you sell them waffles? Do you sell them haircuts? Do you sell like, what is it that they can buy from you? And then, you know, kind of looking at the the structure of how you make an offer, like what's our entry point offer? What's our core offer? What are our profit maximizers? Like what's the path? So if they go here, how do we get them to here? How do we create those ideal sales conversations where it's like, well, you showed me that you were interested in this. A, I know that that's probably going to be the case because I've dialed in on who you are as my ideal customer. I know that this offer is going to convert for you. And then once you have that, it would make sense for you to get this. And if you enjoyed that, it would make sense for you to get this, right? So we kind of work our way up. And then we have to realize, and this is, again, where people struggle, is your customers have a lot of options to solve the problems that you solve for them right? They could go to a lot of different restaurants. They could go to a lot of different barbershops. They could go to a lot of different whatevers, right? So whatever it is that you do, you are not the only one in town. If you are the only one in town, it's worth taking a really, really good look at why. Because you've either stumbled on something that's going to make you a billion dollars, or you've stumbled on something that's going to make you zero dollars, right? Because people, you've either stumbled on like an Amazon, you know, like that is going to just take off, or there's not a market for it. So if you're not if you're the only shop in town, like take a really good look at why. So at kind of that foundational level, it's who's my customer? What do I have for them? And how do I set myself apart from all the other people who do what I do? Like what is my brand? What's my differentiator? How how would people like how would people identify me versus somebody else? You know? So the the perfect example I always use is like if apple tomorrow opened up a hotel we all have a pretty good idea of what that hotel would feel like right like you can imagine what apple's hotel would feel like but if hyatt started making computers you don't really know right mm. like it you don't it, what would a hyatt or how would a hyatt computer be different than a marriott computer like i, I don't know but i know how i know how an apple hotel would be different than a ibm hotel right like i can see those two things in my head and so like what are your brand characteristics how do you define yourself how do you set yourself apart what do people what can people put the, their thumb over your logo and hide your logo and say oh this still feels like kyle this still feels like digital marketer this you know so sort of creating that scent across all of your your properties so that's kind of the foundational level that i have everybody start with is who's my customer What do I have for them and how do I set myself apart from all the other people that they could get it from? And, and the way that we do that is through, you know, a series of questions and, you know, we kind of go back and forth and there's workbooks that I take people through and, you know, sort of an interview process. And so by the end of it, we've got this kind of like brand message guide where I say like, here's, here's what your brand sounds like. Here's who it's for. Here's what you have. And, and this is, I think a, a struggle that a lot of companies have is they sit down particularly when people start. Like if I start a business, 99 people out of 100 sit down, they start a business and you go like, what's the first thing that you're going to make? I'm going to make a logo. Okay, well, neat. Now you've got your logo, you've got your fonts, you've got your colors. You have a style guide. You have, this is what my brand looks like. But there's nothing underneath it that gives it any foundation. There's no, you know, here's what we believe. Here's why we're in business. Here's what our mission is. Here's what, you know, here's what sets us apart. Here's, you know, here's the the style and the message. And and I think that that's a, a missing half of a lot of people's pie is they, they have what their brand looks like, but they don't have what their brand sounds like and feels like. So that's kind of what I help people create. And once we have that, we can start putting it everywhere because this is where, you know, it's gonna inform what our copy sounds like. Or is it more serious? Is it more playful? Is it more formal? Is it more approachable? Is it short? Is it long? Is it funny? Is it serious? You know, like and all of those things are gonna be dictated by that foundational level. So we know what our copy on our website is gonna sound like, we know what our landing pages are gonna look like, we know what our emails are gonna sound like, we know what our social content looks like, and we can start putting all that stuff out into the world and we can start creating our sales processes, we can start, you know, creating our Social strategies, we can start creating our ad strategies. And so we've started to like actually get some action going. And then at the highest level, we start looking at building like a tribe around what we do. So, what's our customer experience look like? How do we make it really exciting for people to work with us so that they want to tell people about our business? So that we can, you know, so that we have these systems that we can replicate over and over again as we grow. Once we're done with that hand-to-hand combat stuff and we've outgrown that stuff how can we create systems that make it feel almost the same and how can we make it really easy for people to spread the word about our business and to tell people about us
0: i'd love to know some examples because the the dojo it's so like tangible and mm-hmm. it's so easy to say oh well once once i hear it of course that makes sense that you'd go into schools and you teach this and you'd have you know your little homework slip or I forget what it was, but it's like your certificate, you know, or whatever. So what are some examples of other businesses that your clients have had, and ways you've you've helped them develop those processes?
1: right, so I worked with a worked with a renovations company in Atlanta, one that they rip off your roof and build a second floor onto your home, or they'll renovate your bathroom or renovate your kitchen, that kind of stuff. and it's fairly easy to kind of fall into a pool of here's all of the renovations company and it's really easy to find yourself as one of those companies, to find yourself in a race to the bottom, right? In, in a race to the bottom in terms of price. Because if you aren't differentiated from the other guy next to you, then your customers only have a decision to make based on who's going to get the job done fastest and who's the cheapest. So by figuring out what we did is we figured out that the the customer that they want to serve is people who own homes in a very specific part of Atlanta. Now what that allows them to do is that allows them to do that hand-to-hand combat stuff in that particular area. It allows them to sponsor sports teams. It allows them to, you know, go out and do the events at local, you know, business fairs or, you know, local homeowners associations or, you know, things like that, where if they said, well, you know, we'll build anybody's house or we'll do a renovation for anybody. They were like, no, no, no. We want to stay in this little pie shaped thing. So now all of a sudden there's 16 subdivisions in that area that they now are like, they can really dive into. and. Well, what do those subdivisions have? Well, they have a homeowners association meeting once a month that you could go and say, like, hey, here's why it's important you change your air filters or, you know, whatever. They could go and start to engage with those people in a way that makes it so that when, you know, mom walks into the master bath and goes, this thing is old and outdated. I need a renovations company to come in and do my bathroom. Like, who are they going to call? They're going to call the company that was at their homeowners association meeting last month. And that wouldn't have happened if they were fishing in too big of a pond. Right. So Mm. they start there and then they go, Okay, well, what do we offer? Could they go in and build a deck or renovate your kitchen or do your bathroom? Yeah, they could do all of that stuff. But what they focus on is by knowing who their customer is, they know what sort of the general problem is, which is we've got all these homes that were built in the 20s right? And so there are these long, flat, low houses. And these are families you know, that have grown and they want a second floor. They want a bonus room. They want a home office. They want all these things. And so they can go, all right, well, we specialize in building second floor additions for in-town Atlanta homes in these neighborhoods. Hey, DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader, and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works, you'll see a live demo, and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com. And all of a sudden you go like, all right, well, if I want that, like, I'm not gonna go to the renovations company who can do anything. Like, I want this, and this is what they do, so I'm going to go with them. It Like, it only makes sense. Regardless of price, we haven't even started talking about price yet. I've already decided that that's the company I'm going to work with. So when you've done that, when you figured out the... The customer and the offer, the brand almost takes care of itself, right? So, you know, we can say, here's how we talk. You know, we want to make this as simple a process as possible because we've again gone back to the problem that they're experiencing, which is I don't want a renovations process to be super overwhelming and to take a really long time and to, you know, cut into my quality of life because there's, you know, tarps everywhere around my house. Like they say, no, we're going to make this as easy as possible. Our brand is super accessible. It's super friendly. Here's our cell phone number. Call me, text me anytime. You know, and all of a sudden you've got this really accessible, really approachable, very specific, hyper-focused brand that customers have a decision that they either want that thing or don't, but it's really, really easy to talk about what they do because it's all coming through the lens and the framework of who's our customer and what do they need.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, you had said at the beginning that they they can do everything. I'm sure once they have the customer who they renovated the entire second floor of Mm -hmm. their house, now they need a bathroom done. It's like, well, who are you going to call?
1: Exactly. And it goes back to the customer <laughs> experience thing. And, you know, DM addresses it with the excite and ascend phase is that if I've gone in and I've done, you know, if I've done an incredible job renovating somebody's kitchen and then they want to build a deck, the first call that they're going to make is to me, if they feel like the process was effective and successful and fairly priced and done quickly, then they go like, Hey, look, you did a fantastic job on my kitchen. Do y'all do decks? you know, and then it's, yeah, we do, or no, we don't. Here's the guy that you need to call. And if I've got that recommendation, again, going to that, like allies versus, versus competitors kind of thing, then all of a sudden, like if, if somebody's come in and redone my kitchen and I say, I don't do decks, but you need to call Dave, he's the guy for decks. Then like, I'm going to call Dave right then, you know? And so one of the things I talked to to my clients about is don't look at people as like, as your competitors, think about like assembling your own Avengers, right? Like the Avengers don't work if it's a team full of Hulks, right? If everybody's the Hulk, the Avengers don't work, right? You have to have Hulk and Iron Man and even Hawkeye, even though he kind of sucks. Like you have to, sometimes you need the guy to fire the arrow at the button that's really far away. So the door can open so the Hulk can go in there and break stuff, right? That's why you have Hawkeye. So you have like all of these different All these different people who serve all these different purposes. And if you start, if you kind of reframe everything to, you know, these are not my competitors. I'm not competing for business with them. If your brand is clearly defined enough, then you do something that they don't do, even if you kind of operate within the same industry.
2: I love these real-life examples because you basically kind of created a referral system for yourself as well because you say – I don't know that particular business. So many. Of my brother's business is an example. My brother owns a fencing company.
1: Like swords are like yards.
2: Yards. So, <laughs> yards. So he builds fences and repairs okay. them and everything. But people will ask him. They'll be like, "Hey, do you actually?" It's so strange. They ask him if he does like landscaping too. He doesn't. He's not gonna. So he actually has someone that he refers them to, and that guy also refers his landscaping clients to my brother for fences. So it works both ways. You're kind of widening your availability to other people.
1: Yeah. And your marketing efforts are compounded, right? Because you're going to serve, you're going to serve all those same people essentially. And it's a pretty similar business. So if, you know, landscaping guy, you know, puts money into Facebook ads and YouTube pre-roll and Instagram and email marketing and all these things, then any of the customer he generates through that could ultimately become your brother's clients for essentially for free, you know, and all he has to do is refer a service that he doesn't even provide to somebody who, who does. And then he gets that same, you know, reciprocal referral stuff and it, you know, and everybody gets, everybody's better off.
0: Super cool. So Kyle, I'd love to know, you know, what is something someone can do today right now to get even closer to like this perfect, referral system, perfect, you know, avatar completion, this beautiful business.
1: Yep. So the first thing that I would do is I would start looking at who is my ideal customer. And there's a couple of different ways to approach it. A lot of times, depending on what stage of business that you're in. If you've been in business for a long time, then there are going to be certain clients, certain customers that will stand out to you in a really positive way and certain customers that will stand out to you in a really negative way. Certain ones where you go like, if everybody could be like that guy, then I would, you know, I'd be so happy. And if I never have to work with this person again, I'd be so happy. Right? So you kind of create that Venn diagram of like, who have my customers been? And most of them are going to live right in the middle where it's like, most of them are fine, but what can I extract, what qualities, what tendencies, what things that they do or are or say or you know, the characteristics that they have that you go like, I wanna stay away from that and I wanna to gravitate towards that. And when you've got that, you start looking at like, okay, what are the problems that these people are experiencing? as they would describe them. I always talk about entering the conversation through their door. So walk in the door that they walk through and go like, how do they talk about their problems? How does it make them feel? What does their day look like? You know, using that customer avatar worksheet, what does their average day look like? You know, what, how are they spending their time? What are, the, what are the little things that frustrate them through the day? What's the little stinky gym kid smell that like only, that you only understand if you're in there like doing the work with them and living life with them. So getting that, like really drilling down to empathy. And then on another level, deeper going, okay, now that I know what their problems are, because when we talk about solving problems and we talk about creating marketing plans, what we're really doing is we're creating tension. We're agitating problems. We're saying, Hey, look, here's what you're struggling with. Here's what you're going through. Here's what Here's what we resolve, right? So we're creating tension and then we're giving them the opportunity to release that tension. So you've got to kind of identify the problem that they're going through. Talk about how it makes them feel. Talk about why it's not fair. That's that story brand stuff, the external, internal, philosophical level. Like, here's what you're going through. Here's why it sucks. And here's why it's just not fair. And then once you've got that, then you can start to speak to knowing those problems. Here's how my offers, right, going to that next part of things. Here's how my offers resolve that. If you're going through this, you want to you want to buy this thing, you know, or you want to download this lead magnet or you want to opt into this Facebook group or whatever. So, you've got you've got specific things on offer to resolve those specific problems. So, the next stage would be figuring out a, a list of what is it that people can get from you? So not just, well, I offer coaching. Well, for how long? How much does it cost? What do they get? You know, make a list of like actual deliverables so that you can start to add to it, subtract from it, figure out kind of what you have on offer, how much it costs and what people can buy from you, and then start to structure those things in a way that makes sense that they're going to, you know, nicely flow through. And then you've got to, again, like I said, you've got to realize that there are other people who may not offer the same things that you do, but the offer is just a vehicle. It's just a means to an end. The other people in your industry that, that can quote unquote, do what you do, what they do is not offer the same things necessarily. They just resolve the same problems. So you got to figure out who else could they go to, to resolve this problem. So to use sort of a crude example that I just came up with on the top of my head. If somebody is stressed or you know whatever, the therapist might be competing with the liquor store. So how else are they going to solve their problem? You know, they're not, you're not just competing with other therapists. You're differentiating yourself from all the different ways that they might go about solving that problem. And again, that goes back to really understanding what their life looks like and how they make the decisions that they make.
0: Damn, that's a really good example. That was a really good example. So we're getting kind of to the end, but I don't want to stop right now because there obviously have been some changes recently with the biggest pandemic we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and and you deal specifically with a business where people come in and, you know, I'd love to know what pivots you've made and advice you can give to other people who are dealing with something similar?
1: So the first thing, and it's, it definitely is a business that has had to change drastically since, you know, since all of the COVID coronavirus stuff started is you've got to kind of realize that it is not going to be the way it's always been right. The expectations that you've had for your business and trying to like force a square peg into a round hole is a recipe for disaster. So if I tried to, Teach karate the same way I've always taught karate, then and force people and shoehorn people into that lane, it isn't gonna work. So, to go back to exactly the same thing, we've got to look at our customer, we've got to look at how their life has changed. We've got to say, like, okay, what did you do before that you can't or won't do now? You know, and I won't leave my house, I won't congregating groups. I won't go to the store without a mask. And, and so you kind of go like, okay, if I knew what their life looked like before, then what are you doing different? You know, how are you feeling about this? What's, what's life looking like for you? What are you scared of? What are you hopeful for? And, and adapting to that and providing, because it, it, what it really does, what, uh, you know, an event like this, that's so widespread that goes so wide and so deep, you know, as far as the effect that it has on people's lives is, You've got to kind of look at at what has changed in their life. What you know, how you can empathize, what they're doing differently, and it presents a whole other set of problems. So, if you're in the business of solving your customers' problems, Ryan talks about this. He says, like, you're not in the business of of providing your service. You're in the business of serving your customers. So, if you've dialed down to who your customers are, then. Yeah, you may have to change what you offer them, but that's okay because you were never there to offer you know, that other thing anyway. You were there to serve these people and, and you're still there to do the same thing. I'm still here to build a stronger future for kids or for entrepreneurs. The way I provide that service and the, the way that I deliver it has to change, but, but I can still figure out what it looks like to make that change possible.
2: One thing that I've enjoyed seeing is for these businesses that were just so, had to be in person, get incredibly creative to just stay afloat in some cases. Like the online classes for Mm -hmm. so many things. And then we have another person who does like online fairy parties. And then there's a local cheese shop that does online cheese and wine tastings. Like you just go pick it up from the curb and then go sit on a Zoom call at home. Like they really had to get creative with it. And I think that that's just another forced way of
1: growing. And it's worth asking yourself too, like, how much of this am I doing because of the current circumstances? And how much of this is worth keeping, you know, whenever whatever the new normal is arises, you know? And and I, I think that that's a question regardless of kind of what's happening in the world that we should always be be asking is like hey if i'm innovating if i'm creating new things if i'm offering new products how much of this am i creating as a reaction to the external circumstances i'm facing and how much of this is worth keeping regardless of what what's happening external
0: yeah and i feel like it just goes to show that the customer avatar in general you know this this written document if you want to do the worksheet written but it's like a living and breathing document because Definitely. these are living and breathing people and their fears change and their, their needs change.
1: Not only just with, you know, with massive global events, but like, you know, to use the dojo as an example, people are thinking very differently in August when they're about, even in a normal year in August, when they're about to send their kids back to school, than they are in December when they're buying Christmas presents, then they are in February when they're just kind of trudging through the last part of the school year.
0: Boy, that That's
1: where their brain is always in a different place. And so, you know, looking at sort of the seasonal and, and external factors that aren't just, you know, this is a person who is a static entity and, you know, their wants and hopes and fears and desires aren't ever going to change like that's just not true you've it's got to kind of be contextualized so that you can put it in this framework of like right now what do they want right now what are they scared of right now what are they hopeful for you know and there are going to be some underlying universal truths but it's also worth looking at kind of the situational stuff to see if there's anything you could talk to them about now which is why your content just has to stay super super relevant and super timely
0: beautiful well kyle we're getting to the end of the podcast, the end of the hour. But before I ask you the final question, uh, I want to know where can people find out more about you? Where can they reach out to you and learn more?
1: Okay, so the easiest thing to do is to go to either guidepostmarketing.com. That would be, if you just want to kind of check things out, go to guidepostmarketing.com. But what I would really recommend is to send me an email directly reach out, do that hand-to-hand stuff. I will get back to you uh, really quickly. But even if you just want to say, Hey, if you want to ask questions, if you want to hop on a call, I'm more than happy to help Uh, Kyle at guidepostmarketing.com, you know, and, and reach out to me directly. Tell me what's going on in your life, in your business. And, and I would love to jump on a call and help, help however I can.
0: And I can say that that is true because Kyle has been in our community for a long time. And the amount of people that he just is like, hey, let's hop on a call, I'll help you out, is just awesome. So, thank you for that. So, Kyle, my final question is and it's a question we ask every first time guest on the podcast. If you could go back in time and tell yourself the self who was choosing between throwing dodgeballs and wearing a suit, if you could tell him anything at all, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him and why?
1: I would say that. The most important thing with your career, with your business, with your family, with your friends, with your life, is just keep things fun. Don't take things super seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. Build relationships. Dive into those relationships. Maintain those relationships. Reach out to people who you think about, who you haven't talked to in a while, just to say hi with no agenda. And and just just have fun with stuff. Don't take stuff so seriously.
0: I love it. I needed to hear that today, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being on the digital marketer podcast, Michelle. Thank you you for joining us as well. Always happy to invade. And to you out there listening, it means so much to have a little bit of your day each week. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.